Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, it's almost football season. And I'm very, very excited. I think the Eagles are going to do something this year. But one thing I hate about watching football here is, and when I go watch the Eagles games, basically, if, if they're on TV, I stay at home. Because for some reason, everyone hates Philadelphia fans. And you always get that asshole Cowboy fan. And you're like, the yeah, Eagles suck. And then you say, hey, you know, well, you guys aren't that good. But how many Super Bowl rings do you have? And it's like, don't talk about the past. You know, if we're going to talk about past, you know, talk about the hot girlfriends you dated because now your wife's a fat pig. That's how much I hate Cowboy fans. <laughs> but what I hate about the Raider fan is, the Raider fan is they can sit there and it, it happens all the time. First of all, they always go, Raiders. And they start yelling and they're, only, they're always these thugs. And, uh, and what happens when the Raiders win, okay, or when they even score, right then they're going to the Super Bowl. I remember going to a game, the Raiders were playing the Packers last year, and the Raiders took the lead 7 0. And everyone's like, the Packers are going, the Packers aren't going to lose to the Raiders. So that's it. Football will be coming up. I'm so excited. And uh, my guest today is a sports fan. I mean, he's from Cleveland, so I don't know if he's a Browns fan. I'm but a it's diehard Brown fan. Johnny, how do you and a Johnny? fellow Raiders hater. Johnny Cardinale. It's Johnny Cardinale or Johnny Cardinale? Cardinale. Cardinale. Okay. Because yeah. you don't look Italian. I know. I'm Sicilian. Okay. Uh, my grandfather's, I'm third generation. My grandfather's born in Palermo, uh, the capital of Sicily. And I get that a lot. I get, eh, you don't look Italian. People think Greek or something like I that. I think Irish. You look Irish. I mean, and probably, yeah, I get that every now and then as well. Yeah. Like you and Schubert, you and Jimmy Schubert could pass as like brothers. I see that. Yeah. The eyes and whatnot. Yeah. 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 He's friends with Jimmy Schubert, people who's been on that. It's so funny. Me, I, 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 Johnny had to cancel me a while ago because he had an audition, and I always love that. I love when people cancel because they have auditions, and I hope they get work. It's like Rory Scovel was on. He had to cancel because he had an audition. Then he, then he came on the next week, and then he, his pilot got picked up. So I was like, cool, now I can go. Good hey, timing. that guy from that TV show is the only thing. <laughs> so, uh, so you're from Cleveland. Yeah, okay. originally, yeah. Now, when you were a kid, what, what did you want to do comedy as a kid, or what made you gravitate towards our profession because you're probably from Cleveland being from Cleveland it's like being from Philadelphia we become sports fans because the summers are hot the winters there's nothing to do but to watch sports uh, right well yeah I mean there's not a lot to do you know as compared to Los Angeles or New York or coastal cities I guess or even maybe even Chicago there's not a lot to do in Cleveland I've been to Philly many times and there's there there are those tough towns that just no matter what the season is we buy into our sports it's it gives us something to do something to believe in uh, you were saying how much, you know, you hate when Dallas fans live in the past. I we can't live in the past because we haven't won an actual championship since 1948. We've never, you know, we're the we're the un, most unsuccessful uh, si- sports city with three major sports in the history of sports. So. Well, I actually tweeted, and then I I'm, I apologize in advance for this tweet. <laughs> I tweeted a while ago uh, when the Phillies fell apart. I said. Uh, technically, we've become the Philadelphia's become the new Cleveland of sports <laughs> because well, you know that, that, that that's the go-to. I mean, Cleveland is the common denominator when it comes to terrible sports cities. So, so growing up in Cleveland, did, as we, when we we always talk about sport. I love sports, but uh, now, at what age did you know you wanted to entertain? Were you an entertaining kid, or did that come later in life, or how did that happen? Uh, well, I was. Now, let's see. Just to be straight, I moved out to California, not Los Angeles, but a little farm town when I was 10 years old. What town? Called Cala Mesa. You ever heard of Redlands? Yeah, the Redlands. Okay, it's, the Redlands. It's past Redlands. <laughs> it's, it's two exits off the freeway. It's where they c- cook a lot of crystal meth. They really could have probably set Breaking Bad really? in Cala Mesa. It's that bad. What? Well, that must have been pretty... A lot of people I mean, off the grid, that kind of a thing. That's funny. It must have been sort of a cool move for a kid, though, going from Cleveland to California because the weather and everything... Sounded like it when we first heard about it, but I grew up in a really nice city right up 10 minutes from downtown Cleveland. Okay. And a great little city life, and then we moved out to a farm country where I was very isolated. <clears throat> Sorry, I had a one-hour bus ride from school and one-hour 
home. Really? So two hours on the bus every day from a kid who came up in Euclid, Ohio, used to walk to school and knew all my friends, you know. So that's kind of like uh, that change. Not to get off the subject, though, but when I was in, uh, you know, coming from an Italian family and stuff, we do bust each other's balls a lot, and so there's a lot of hilarity. My dad happened to be a fan of comedy, not just like, oh, I like comedy. He was a fan of comedy. We had comedy albums, and let's just say I, I grew up probably listening to New Heart. Okay. Maybe even some stuff I shouldn't have listened to. Red Fox, for instance, you know, really dirty. But, you know, as a little kid. You I know think. what's funny? When we were kids, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really phase us. And it's so funny. I mean, we didn't, it, it because I think it because it was on an album. And half the time when you're a little kid, when they're doing sexual, sexual innuendos, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. Not a clue. But, and as I talked about Fritz Coleman earlier about that, like when I would listen to George Carlin, I wouldn't get some of the stuff he was talking about, but just his inflections. Oh yeah, voice would make you laugh, and I think it's like anything. It's like you know they say the Flintstones. The Flintstones were originally written for adults, and hence the laugh track. Yeah, and as kids, you would you would just laugh at them, like oh Dino, there's a dog. You wouldn't get this. It's like the Simpsons. Kids don't get that, but they'll laugh. Hey, have a cow. Well, Bart says something, but when you get the references, the kids don't get them, and that's just I think as kids we we see something, and I think if other people are laughing, we tend to laugh. Yeah, well, Steve Martin, my favorite comedy album of all time, his first one, Let's Get Small. He had awesome. The, he had the joke, uh, people come up to me after the show, hey, are you bi? Well, I took a little Spanish in high school, not enough to be bi. Right. I had no idea what the sexual reference was on that joke, but I was dying laughing. It's just, yeah, I mean, that, that's you know? funny, because we just, it was something, yeah, and I, I should go back and listen to that, because I remember that, that. I had it, um, let's, and, and when he said, let's get small, I didn't know that was like a reference to being stoned. Me neither. And I just thought it was funny, like, oh, let's get small. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just so funny that you say that, now it just brings me a flashback to that time where it's like, yeah, I'm like, what? That's small, huh? Are you small? You know, it's like, and now, now you link back and you go. Like you said, the God. inflection and just his silliness. Yeah, I didn't, you know, yeah. So, uh, but then I was, uh, I, you know, I, I, I didn't do really a lot of theater. I used to have friends that did it in high school and stuff, and I was always envious of them. I didn't have, like, I guess, the courage, maybe. How many people were in your school? Because you said you'd take an hour ride. It must have been a very small school. Very small school. My uh, graduating class was 110 people. Wow. So, My graduating class was 840. Was it real? Wow. You know, it's funny. We've got some fairly successful people in. that came out of our little Beaumont, Beaumont High School. One of the, the girls, I think, two years uh, younger than me. She graduated two years after me. Tracy Caldwell. She is, a, is it Caldwell? I believe so. She's an astronaut. She's been up in the space shuttle. She's oh, wow. She's a few female astronauts, yeah. Come out of Beaumont High School. See, so. that's cool. My school was 840, but what I always, my, my one thing I love is we uh, had, um, I think one person dropped out. We had no moms, and everyone pretty much went to four-year colleges. Was, wow. I grew up in a very Jewish town, and I, but it was great. I was, I mean, being a, being a Christian kid in a Jewish town was great because all the Jewish girls wouldn't have sex with us. Yeah. They, they would, they'd marry a Jewish guy and not oh, have course. sleep with them, but we'd, get, we'd be practice. That's hilarious. But everyone, every, my class was huge. It's this funny. is outside of Philadelphia? Ten minutes across the bridge in New Jersey, yeah. Oh, okay. In Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So, so you move out to the... What is it, Calamesa? Calamesa, yeah. And, uh, and so you're you're not doing the theater or anything like that. But did you at any point did you sit there and say I want to do comedy or how did that arise? After listening to, I was one of the you know I'd listen to the Steve Martin album that uh, my dad didn't buy. My mom and dad had separated, but my mom for some reason would show up unannounced every now and then to visit, and she was a bit of a pothead and stuff. So she'd bring in sort of the adult stuff that we didn't. My dad was a very square, conservative kind of guy. Okay. And, she brought like the Steve Martin album, started playing it, and you know it's a lot of you know there's some drug references and some sexual references we were talking about off cam or off mic. And my dad would never play that for us, but my mom did. And then I didn't understand, but I was laughing. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is or what it is, but it just I think that's kind of 
first of all, I think that album influenced more people to do stand-up comedy than any other album ever. Uh, Steve really? Martin's Let's Get Small. Yes, I do. Okay, it's funny because well, the, the, what, what I've gotten a lot is, and, and, and you know, I can see that, but it, I guess I think it also goes by uh, generational. I think because I know some of the older comics like the uh, Rich Shiners, Wendy Liebmans, the Slaytons and all them, they, uh, a lot of them were influenced a lot by uh, Pryor. Yeah, um, that's for sure too. I think one of the albums, I don't know if you've ever listened to this album, but I think one of the albums that as you get into comedy and you listen to and people don't even know and it's so unappreciated is Woody Allen's stand-up comic well, well absolutely one of my favorites of all time it's, and I, it's, think I, he's got, the, I think he's the greatest comic mind since Charlie Chaplin well what's amazing about that album is it's funny is when you listen to the album except for like the Warren Report all the material he could go and do on stage today yeah you know it's funny that you bring up that particular bit though because when I first heard that, and I forget the joke now, he goes, yeah, I was, was I was busy writing a nonfiction right. version of the Warren Report. I had no idea what the Warren Report was. I just thought it was so funny because I knew it was something obviously sophisticated, and I didn't know I didn't understand the joke, but it still made me laugh. That's how good Woody Allen is. Well, what amazed me about that album is, and it's so funny, it's when the I mean his classic bit off that is I, I, shot, I, I shot a moose. Yeah, uh, boy, but, you sound just like him. But what's amazing about that bit is every. You're listening to that bit, and every, as we would call a setup, the comics call a setup, all his setups are hysterical, and you're thinking, how the hell is he going to top this? Because that two-minute bit, there's like 50 jokes that are all stellar, and then he just, and the jokes on them, it was restricted. And <laughs> boom, it's just, you sit there and go, wow. It's astounding because you're right. Most comics will stop right here, and he goes on for another three minutes. And it's amazing. So, so, but okay. So, Steve Martin influenced you a lot. So, yeah. Now, did, did you number sit, one? Now, now, how, where did you go with that? So, did you know? Because where you're in Calamesa is yeah. not really comedy clubs, and 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 there's, there's, you don't know there's how to get nothing. Into you're it. isolated. Yeah, really, really isolated. I grew up like in a real farm area, and you know, I, my closest friend was like I, I couldn't even ride my bike to my closest friend's house. My dad would have to take me. So a lot of alone time. Right. You know, and I think comics become loners uh, anyhow. Uh, so maybe that paved the way for me. Uh, I uh, I don't know. I, it was the way you know, coming from a broken family, and my dad, you know, was constantly. My dad was getting married and remarried quite a bit, and having a lot of kids while I was in uh, high school and stuff like that. So you know, I guess I had to. Def- I had to try to pretend to be normal in in high school. I didn't have this wacky family, and humor was my my out. I could make the girls laugh, and you know how that goes. Once you go, oh, and I was you know I played baseball. I was an athlete, and I wanted to do theater, but I was a little too nervous, I guess. And then I was in college. Just to short where'd, where'd you go to school? Cal State San Bernardino, close to where I grew up. And uh, I was an accounting major because I just wanted to make money, get away from everything, and just make my own money. And did you, did you, when you were going to college, did you think you were wanted to stay in California? Or did you think about going back to Cleveland, or what did you? When nah, you- I wasn't thinking that far advanced. I'm pretty sure at the time, honestly, I thought I'd probably stay generally in my back back there in the general okay. area, of San Bernardino. I did breaking away from the family was just you know nobody had done that in my entire family, so. And then all of a sudden, I was watching Arsenio Hall's show, and I saw a comedian on there, and I can't remember who it was, just doing his five minutes. And, I'm, and I wasn't, at this point, I kind of tuned out of comedy, wasn't really, and I'm watching, I go, God, I don't know who that guy is, but that looks like fun, and I think I could be at least as good as that guy. And, that, and, and it stuck in my brain. Two weeks later, I dropped out of school. My buddy happened to have a, a room opening up in Los Angeles. I moved out to Los Angeles with no context, never having done stand-up, never having done theater, never having done improv. And I just said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm, I don't want to be an accountant. So I dropped out of college. I went and told my dad, Dad, I'm dropping out of college. I think I'm going to go to L.A. and be a comic. And he goes, well, 
you got to chase your dream, man. It's a long life. And he was supportive of it, even though he didn't think I was actually going to stay out here. And I moved out here and kind of milled around for a while. Yeah, because you, you didn't know anything about the business, so you Nothing. just came out, and I mean, and you weren't really familiar with LA, I'm guessing. Not at all. I, I, where did you live? Uh, I Where did we? Culver City, right okay. on Sepulveda Boulevard, right near Sepulveda and Venice. Like, terrible area to live. You know, we'd see, like, cops all the time, you know, right. by the neighbor's house and whatnot. It was an eye-opening experience, but I loved L.A. There was something about the energy here, the things to do. Even though I, even though I grew up like what two hours away, I'm, I'm not sure I'd ever even been on Hollywood Boulevard before. So yeah, it's, it's so funny. Everyone sits there Hollywood, and then you go there, and it's like it's better now, but it's, it's such a piece of crap. It was terrible. I mean, I, I used to live two blocks terrible. from there when I first moved up. I lived there. Used to be a Carl's Jr. on the corner of Sunset and Highland, and and there now it's a Chick Fil A. Yes, I know. I know what you're talking about. And there now. was a road called Leland, and I lived on Leland. I was living. I was married at the time. I was in San Diego. I was trying to get stuff going up here, so I paid three eighty five for a studio. Oh my god! And it was like, but we used to walk up, like me and my buddy Joe Catone, would walk up to a bar called the Powerhouse. Oh, I know the Powerhouse. I used Great to live on. Bar. I used to live on. Um, I used to live on uh, Sycamore and okay. Franklin, right? There, so okay. powerhouse so, is my yeah, bar too. I love that. And it was like they, they never cleaned their tap lines. You could tell it was like they had like the only bar I've ever seen had like Red Wolf on tap. Like like the crappiest <laughs> beer you'd ever see. Like they had one tap and it was like the shittiest beer ever. And you're like, what the hell? Red Wolf? And yeah. like, I can't even get that in the store. But uh yeah, but you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, it was just so disgusting. It was then. absolutely terrible. And I like I said, I lived off of it too. I mean, I went from never having been on to living right off of it as well in a little not even have a studio, it was like a bachelor pad. You know, I had a Oh, you know, I didn't even have a kitchen. I had like a hot plate and all okay. that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> but hey, uh, yeah, but I came out here and then. So just, where do you go? Where do you, where do you sit there? You go, I want to do comedy. Do you try to, because back then, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't, the internet wasn't all, all this. You couldn't find all this stuff now. It's like you can find nah, it like you just kind of pick up the LA Weekly and look for open mics, coffee houses. The thing is, I'd never, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have material. Exactly. I joined a com, I, dro- I, drove to, I joined an improv group within two weeks. And I, I, you know, I had to audition, and I made it. And I thought, oh, I must have talent. Turns out, it's one of those things where you had to pay every month. Right. So everybody makes it. Exactly. You know? And but I thought, okay, I must have some talent at this. Anyhow, I did that for a year, and didn't really get me any place, but it did open me up to being on stage. And then I would go to open mics, and I wouldn't sign up because I was too nervous. Plus, I didn't, you know, I'd written material, but I'd never even performed. Like I said, I have no theater background even. And then finally, I went to a place on Melrose, and this girl comes up to me. She goes, hey, you comic? I go, yeah. She goes, okay, what's your name? Okay, so you're, you're 25th. I was there, I was 25th on the list that night to okay. perform. And so I went up there, and, I, and I'm like, wow, this is, you know, I'm nervous wreck. And I didn't, and it was pretty packed. I didn't realize it was all comics. Right. I had no idea. And so I thought, I had my, I remember my very first joke. It was like, hey, so there's this TV show, Coach. What's so funny about the cheap part of the airplane? And I thought I was going to get laughs. Dead silence. <laughs> it's actually a funny joke. Though. It's not terrible. It's a, it's a well-written joke. It's, it's not terrible. Right? And I and I didn't get one laugh. And I, and it was like it was like literally being hit with a ton of bricks because I'm like I had to fumble for my. Oh, and my next joke is. See, that's funny that you say Ooh. that because uh, a lot of people I talked to the geek experience. Most of us um, had really good first sets. And then we we got all cocky like oh yeah they're gonna and then you walk up I've heard like that, that a and lot you just you eat crap it's like as I say it's like when my girlfriend came out she took surfing lessons the first two times she got up so she, and I always said it's hard to get up so I think she got a lot of a little cocky she ate crap the rest of the day just boom <laughs> falling over rest hour uh, and a half it's true but, but it's like with a joke but see so you had a crap experience so you know I, I've had a lot of friends tell me that same thing and what happens I've seen with my friends their very first comedy set they invite all their friends out and they stall they all they all laugh because it's our their Makes buddy sense. and then they get like a false i didn't have that i didn't do that i literally not only did i not go up against 
friends or have friends in the audience. I didn't even really have human beings in the audience it was all comics right so i didn't realize that they don't really laugh at you know the comics and i'm the new guy and i'd watch all the little clicks forming and stuff and i just felt like a complete outsider it's so funny the click and the clicks out here are even worse because the difference is like but when i was back east like there wasn't really clicks there was a comedy factory outlet comics and the comedy works comics but we were all interchangeable and we're talking about people you know Talented people, you know, Keith Robinson, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Adam McKay, a uh, guy named Mike Stankowitz, who's from Cleveland. Um, yeah, I've heard of Mike. And uh, just, there was just a strong, strong Ralph Harris. Uh, strong people, you know? And we were sort of cliquish, but we were cool. Out here, there's like all these little cliques in there, and half of them aren't funny. I couldn't 70, agree more. 75% of the comics out here aren't funny. And I hate saying, I don't, I go up on stage, I'm one of those people, I'm like, and I, I don't really perform much anymore. I do. I mean, when I go back east, I always book gigs, you know? Because I'm yeah. like, well, I can get paid and do 30 minutes? Okay. Yeah, you know, here fun. But, uh, but here it's like, it's like you can always tell these comics, like, everyone's afraid to go right after the MC. I'm like, put me on, because one, I don't want to hang out and watch 12 crappy acts. I want to do my set and get out of here. But out here, I think it must be tougher to start because back there, we, we the younger, the older comics would take us under their wing and then we would get jobs at like working the door to comedy clubs where people like Paul Reiser, you know, Steve Middleman, you know, Polish, polished all come acts, through, yeah. and you got to watch that, and you, and then they were nice to you because it wasn't like, you know, young. It's just weird that you. So it must have been hard for you that, that starting. Looking out. back now, I would never recommend starting comedy in Los Angeles to anybody because it doesn't. You 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 get a complete false sense of what it's really like. There's no, I don't want to say there's no camaraderie, but for a new guy, n- nobody came and took me under their wing. You right. know what I mean? And it, and I, you have to really fight for your life. You know, I guess maybe it prepares you, though, because I do know a few comics that have gotten really good in, let's just say, um, I don't want to say Cleveland, but, you know, outside neighborings, Akron and stuff like that. They're killing in Akron. Then they come out here for two weeks and they hit up a bunch of, you know, spots and then they bomb, you know, because it's a little more difficult out here. Uh, and, And so I think at least when you're out here, if you start out here, or I guess probably New York, you go, wow. I've got to really up my game, right? But it doesn't really chance to almost get you. You don't, you know, you don't come out. You don't get a game. Like I, I kind of wish I would have started in, let's just say, Seattle. Built up a little group of friends up there, you know, camaraderie like you had in Philly or yeah. whatever. And that's for me. I mean, I got I got out of the business for like twelve years. Okay, I was out of it, and uh, after being, I mean, from eighty eight to ninety five, I was constantly on the road. And when I, but when I went back on stage, you don't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. When I, I booked, I, I ran the show at an Italian restaurant. And uh, my friend's restaurant. I said, I'm going to get back into comedy. Well, Luck Schubert actually did. Jimmy Schubert did it. And Christopher Titus did it. But I Was that out here in Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was called Victorio's. And uh, and the problem was, I didn't. I wasn't in the business. And the acts, I knew. I'm not going to call Paul F. Tompkins. Hey, Paul, uh, you want to come out? You know, I'm back. Yeah, Keith. <laughs> yeah. No, Keith. Yeah, Keith Robinson. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're announcing for the Wanda Sykes show. Do you want to come out? You can't do that. So right. I didn't know I didn't know comics. But what was funny was you meet these comics. And they're all skeptical. Like you said, they're all. And then the difference is they don't know is I mean, I, I made my living doing comedy for eight years. It comes back. To you, so they would sit there and you know you get the cockiness, but then you just go up on stage. I worked with one guy at the downtown comedy club, and I just smoked him. And I was like, and because he was arrogant, I was like, this guy. I'm, I, and I, I never do that. I think he's such a show up, but he kept asking me, "What am I going?" I'm like, I don't work at the club. And he's just like this prick, and he's like, I'm coming from Vegas. I said, Oh, you doing a bunch of spots? No, I'm just doing this show. So he drove from Vegas to do the to do, downtown for what was like what probably he got paid fifty bucks. Uh, right, yeah. And so, but it's just funny that that thing. So, so you do it. Now. It always boggles my mind when comics have such attitude like that. Like, hey, what am 
am I going up? Because you know, I've booked a couple of rooms too. I booked O'Brien's in Santa Monica for four years straight, and you learn a lot about comedians when you book rooms. Wait, O'Brien's did uh, it's on Main Street. Jamie Kaler started it, and then okay. I took it over for him. Did Dave Forsyth? Dave Forsyth books it now on on uh, Sundays. I did it one time on a Sunday, and there was no one in there. It was so funny. It's terrible. It was it's Sundays awful. are it was terrible. Like, there was like five people, and they were there from football, and they were wasted. And, uh, I, was like, yeah. Yeah. and I went up, and this kid Andy Dugan, who worked at Flappers for a while, uh-huh. he had to go on after me, and he seen me whenever he seen me. I do well, you know, because it's in our that, and that's when you get respect when people see you on stage. Like, oh, who's this yeah. guy? And then, and then I died, and he's like, oh my god, he's, he drove. So I guess funny. He's driving. He goes, I just, you always do good, and you. Ate it. I go. I know it happens. I said, "You guys get you get too comfortable playing some of these clubs because you're going to eat crap on certain shows." I've seen some great comics pop into O'Brien's through the years, and just because it's dead and it's a bar, they're you know they're terrible. Who who was it? Uh, uh, Mark Marin. I saw him there within the last eight months. He was you know his friend's band was performing, and so he came to do some. Some Chris Porter, you know Chris Porter. I know the name. I don't. Know okay, well he fronts a band. He's buddies with uh, Mark. So Mark came down, did like ten minutes, and it was terrible because the crowd was terrible. Right. You know, that's not not a he's, a he's not an untalented guy. Exactly. That's funny. You know. So so you, you you eat crap your first time. So then what do you do? Are you just shattered, or what happens? Would you say okay, I can do this. I just had a bad experience. Yeah, I think you either go. I think probably you either go into the tank for a couple hours, maybe, or maybe some people. I think I'll listen. Unfortunately, go long, go into the tank longer than that, you know, or drown their sorrows in booze. I think I got angry because I felt like I felt like my jokes were not terrible. Like even the coach joke, I go, you know, they could have even given me a little like fake Snicker. laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt like the the attitude I saw from all the open micers, almost none of whom I can even name today, because I don't think most of them are still around. It got me angry to just go out there and prove them wrong, I think. Like, no, I'm I'm all right at this. You know, I saw a couple guys that were pretty funny that night, but I didn't think that they were, I didn't think that they were more talented than I was. I thought they were more polished and hit more seasoned more seasoned and more comfortable and confident up there and I wanted that. But right. I didn't see one person that night I said, Oh my God, I, I don't belong. Right. Okay, that, that makes that makes completely sense. So so where do you go from there then? I just started hitting the open mic scenes, and then finally, and I and I had read every book and every article I could on stand up comedy. Did you ever read Comic Lives? Uh, I probably it's a did. very good book. It's it's it's. Uh, Has it been around for a while? Forever. I have actually. I have. I had it when I worked the, at the Comedy Factory outlet. I had it autographed by Gilbert Godfrey. You know, oh, okay. Then I probably have read it. If it's yeah. one of those old, because I I did read those books, and a lot of them would would talks would, about the road and just talks about this comedy business. Yeah, and, and people like so Paul great. Reiser and that particular yes. era of comedians was the ones that. And what what the what the knowledge I got from that is stay away from the comedy clubs until you're ready. So I was doing. Uh, um, all every coffee house and every outskirt man i went to you know i i, I went to this one bar and it was, it was talent night i think it was i read it in backstage whatever and i went to some bar way in the, in pomona and it was i could there was a hundred dollar prize for first prize i'm like all excited i get there i go in i sign up and it's just me and one other person in the bar and there's mirrors all over the place and it's like a tuesday night and looking around and and, and this big construction guy sitting next to me comes in orders a beer and he goes and he goes hey what are you doing here and to me and I go oh you know I'm just here for the town night I go what about you what are you doing here he's like I'm looking to get lucky I didn't realize it was a gay bar <laughs> and I'm like oh my god do I get out of here right now not that I have anything against me right. but, you know I just I'm, I'm kind of out of my element you know I'm from Calamesa I'd never really and I, and I stayed that whole night and performed thinking well I could win $100 and, I, and it was me and every other person there was 10 other people that signed up they were all singing uh, to to a karaoke track, okay, and all dressed as women, you know what I mean. And I was the only comedian 
And I didn't win, but I'm, I'm glad that I stuck it out that did, night. Did you ever play? I don't know why I just stuff pops in my head. Uh, a friend of mine, a very funny comic, good friend. We actually went to the same high school. I'm three years older than him. Uh, Joe Matarese. Do you know Joe? Oh, I know the name. Okay, well, he used to book, because when I moved out here, I was into a comedy. He used to book a place called McReds or McRuffs in Sherman Oaks. And I just heard it was like really? the crappiest. <laughs> Gig. I don't know if you ever played it. I, I'd never even heard of it, unfortunately. Okay, because no, there's like back east, we had all like the crappy gigs. Like you know, like there's a place called Friendly's Cafe, which uh, you can talk to Schubert about that. He probably played it. And that, sure, when yeah. you went there, it was at least this wasn't friendly. And back then, you, they sit there and it was a two man show. So if you were, even if you're new, they, you have to do 30 minutes. And even if you're eating it, <laughs> if you're do and you sit there and you maybe have 15 minutes of material and the crowd, you know, but but you got paid 100, 100 125 oh, bucks. I'll so stand like, cool. up there. And, yeah. yeah. So okay, so you're hitting all the open mics. So now now where do you when do you finally say okay I can really there came a point where i honestly felt like at least for the open mics i was going to that i was one of the better ones okay i said it's time i go to the comedy store so i would go start hanging out at the comedy store and first of all i couldn't even couldn't even believe i was in uh, cut back to about a year prior to me even starting stand-up me and my friend went to the comedy store just to sit and watch a uh, show i'd never been to a comedy club before i'd never been on sunset boulevard before i couldn't believe i'm sitting at the comedy store and uh I mean, we're in the front row. It was a Tuesday night. We're in the front row. We're two guys, buddies. They put us in the front row, two seats back, you know. So we're obviously being made fun of. We're the gay right. guys, all of a sudden, right. blah, blah, every comic. But I'm looking, at, and it's probably, you know, it's the, the stage is about as close as you are to me right now, probably about five feet away. And I'm like, wow, that stage is so close to me, but it's so far away from me being up on that stage. How would I, how do I get there? You know what I mean? It seemed like this impossible dream to be performing at the OR. And Argus Hamilton, I'm sure you know Argus. I yeah, he's he's like legendary. It's so funny because there was just with the comedy story. Yeah, yeah there was a there was a, a good documentary on Showtime called Sunset Strip. Uh huh. And they do an interview, and it's uh, Dom Herrera, Maz Jabrani. Um, just worked with him in Cleveland. Maz was on the show. Wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah, he's great. Um, and Argus, and they were talking and stuff. Yeah, he was like legendary, like like I guess the big cokehead or whatever. Like that's like the oh, old stories back. You know, he's he was yeah. You know, he's un- unfortunately he's never become famous, famous, but he's famous, and that certainly in the walls of the comedy store. Right, and he's still there all the time. But I remember him introducing. You know, then he was funny. You know, I couldn't believe when they announced he'd been on the Tonight Show. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's a star. Right, he'd right. Been on the Tonight. That's how impressed I was. Or impressionable, and he. I remember he announced, "Hey, this next guy, he's a future comedy. You're going to say you saw him here. He's young." And he brings up Polly Shore, okay. and Polly killed that night. You know, and I'm like, "Wow, this is unbelievable." And like I said, I was like so close to the stage, but so far away. And then, like I said, maybe a year, year and a half after that experience, I'm hanging out at the comedy store now, and I signed up for the open mic thing, and I went up at like two in the morning, you know, in front of three other people, and the three other people are the three comics going up after me. So I went and did that, a little, and I said, this is not for me, doing this for, because I talked to guys who've been doing that for like two years, showing up to the Sunday potluck night. So I got, so I went to a guy, and uh, hey, how do I get a job answering phones here? He go, call me tomorrow. So I got a job answering phones. And then I got to know some of the managers, so I got on the showcase night for Mitzi Shore. And I went and did my showcase, and I walked right by her, and she didn't say anything to me, so I didn't do very well. And then I signed up, I waited a couple months, three more months, I went out and hit the open mics again, stayed away from the comedy clubs. I said, I got to get this. So I go back, and I'm ready to go. And right before I go on stage, this manager, I don't mean manager like for comics, manager of the club itself, he goes, hey, man, just so you know, just get right to it. Don't waste time. You only got three minutes. Get right into your act. And this is like literally 60 seconds before I go up on stage. And I, li- and I took out the first minute of my act right before I went up on stage, and I just went right into my really good stuff. And I walked by Mitzi, and she didn't say anything to me. I'm like, I can't believe this. Three minutes? Because I had a good set. And I called the next day. They go, Mitzi wants to see you do six next Sunday. 
So I go, okay. So I did six minutes next Sunday, walk right by her. She didn't say anything to me. I couldn't believe it. So I called the next day. Mitzi wants to see you do 10 minutes next Sunday. So three showcases in a row. I did 10 minutes, and I walked by her real slowly, expecting nothing. She grabs my hand. You're a paid regular. Call Scott tomorrow. Okay. You know, so I made it. It was like a big deal at the time. And I worked clean back then, which Mitzi didn't have a whole lot of clean comics. So she would stick me up very, like you said, first. You know, like if there was an MC, I'd go right up after the MC. If there was no MC, I would go up first. And so I got used to going up first, too, which is fine by me. Which makes you grow so much as an act, because then when you get those later spots, it's cake. Like that's what we used to say when you're in the road and you're the feature. I mean, feature is like the, the easiest thing. I couldn't agree more. And now the problem is, though, and I, I've noticed a lot of people, when they go on the road and they take their features, a lot of times they take a weaker act. Oh, because. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, that was the thing, man. You, and if you didn't like a headliner, you try to smoke him. There was this guy I hated. He was <laughs> such a hack. I forget his name. His name was like Billy Bob Calhoun or some weird ass <laughs> name. And we did this club in uh, Edison, which is now the Stress Factory. Back then it was a days. It was just, it was just a. a some, in Jersey. Club, there. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. And this was years ago. And this guy was just such an asshole. And he's like, played a kazoo and just it's like but he was like no not one bit of originality right and he was just pompous and he was this fat guy and he would just and so i was like i was like screw him and i did like 40 because i was smoking it and he's like you, you did too much time so the next show i did 40 again i would never do that but it was just so funny because but then then you had to make him work but now it's like if being like you going up early you get used to that like and so when you you headline when you if you feature it's like a cakewalk because you just sit there it's like the MC did all the work you're just you don't have to, you don't have to deal with the yeah. checks because the people don't even know that whole you know when the checks come out how you lose your whole momentum I mean it's a lot of times you should put your crappier stuff towards the end because they don't hear it right no it's it's true going from uh, feature to headliner I feel like it's going from double A to the majors maybe even single A to the majors it's a big change you know going from MC to feature I don't think it's that big of a deal no. just a few more minutes of material but I have a, I have some I have a couple friends who are very happy to this day. Been doing comedy a long time. They go, yeah, I smoked the headliner last night. Well, why don't you become the headliner? You exactly. I mean, it's a lot easier to just say I smoked the right. headliner. You know, kind of a thing. So, but I just don't. It's tough when you work clean when you follow dirty comedy. Oh that's yeah, that's all, and it happens all the time. So I prefer to just go up early and not deal with it. So you, you become a paid regular at the comedy store. Yeah, and so then now where does your career go from there? Mitzi kind of took a liking to me. Okay, and so for a while there, I got a lot of spots. Now you play guitar. I did at the time, yeah, and then that's what she really liked about it. And finally, I was brand new to comedy. So. I think we were, we were booked. I I didn't hang out. Uh, I think we we were booked at Michael's together once. With David Robinson's show, yeah, I think that, that could be. He has his music. I do. I don't usually do it. I don't usually play music at his show. Okay, but, but I think I thought you had a guitar. That I was going to say he has his all music comedy. Right, I, shows. It wasn't that night though. But I think I think you had a guitar that night. That's just that's just whatever. But I just because I, I remember I think I was on a show with you. But so so Mitzi took a liking to you. Yeah, because of that. Because I was this nice, clean, fresh face, fresh face kid who. And she could insert me anywhere in the lineup. And so, honestly, for three years, I probably averaged five spots a week, five paid spots. Okay. I was getting main room. And, you know, I'm I'm eight months into stand-up by the time I'm paid regular. So it wasn't real. I didn't really work that hard for it. You know what I mean? And so, finally, about three years in, I go, this is, you know, I don't want to just become this. So I started working without it. And it took me a few months to uh, sort of get my mojo because, I, you know, without having it. But I was having good sets. And then one night on a Monday... She came in, and I followed Dave Attell. And there was 10 people in the, in the crowd. It was a Monday. Right. So he just riffed on the whole crowd. And I went up and tried to do a polished set, and I wasn't very good. And she, she got angry, said she wouldn't give me any spots anymore unless I was to do my, the act that she knows. 
And so I just kind of moved away from the comedy store, started working without it and, and moving around without it. Uh, and that, that's when I got picked up. The first club I got picked up in and passed at without using a guitar was uh, the uh, Ice House. Okay. And then, great room. Yeah, oh, I love it. And then, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great, because I'm a pretty talented singer. You know what I mean? I can, I mean, I'm, I take my singing real serious. I've actually did, I've released, I have an album, that kind of a thing, not to do with comedy at all. So it's a nice part of the act to make money. But I, you know, like I said, I was new to comedy, and then I finally have picked. I've been picked up at all the clubs now, uh, and the only one that even knows I play guitar is a comedy store. You know, like I got I got picked up by by uh, Jamie Masada, the okay. Laugh Factory, because I've gotten to open for Tim Allen quite a bit over the last two years, and so Jamie saw me. Well, how did that How did that come about? I know uh, his the, his manager's assistant, uh, Tim Allen's manager's assistant, is a good friend of mine. And she goes, hey, you know, Tim's going to be doing the coming back stand-up at the Laugh Factory. She goes, you should get in open for him. I go, well, how do I do that? She goes, well, here, send a link to your stuff to his assistant. And it's this girl, Anastasia. And she looked at my website. And, you know, she goes, yeah, this is great. Because you have to work TV clean. That's another big thing about it, which is fine for me. Works perfect. And uh, and I sent her a link. And she goes, okay, yeah, we'll do, do you a trial run. 15 minutes at the Laugh Factory. And it was packed. You know, of course, yeah. It's because he's coming back. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing him at the uh, Comedy Factory out in Philadelphia when we worked there. And it was right before Home Improvement came out. But you knew he just had that air about him. that You knew it was about to blow up. Like you knew. And he was a nice, nice guy. But you just knew that he was about to I feel like explode. he's underappreciated as a stand-up. Like not people He was a great stand-up. He's phenomenal. That whole character. He had that whole, I mean, that... Uh, 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 and that's, yeah. I mean, and that's the whole, that's why Home Improvement, and even the show now, are built around, he was like the manly man. I think people, when he started playing Santa Claus and stuff, I think that sort of took him away from the, his hardcore fans, I think. Yeah. Because it was sort of off thing. But he was... He kind of talks about that on stage now. He does goes, he? I hate kids. That's you funny. Because I mean? he, he was a killer stand-up. I mean, he was... He would just... He's he, he wasn't even known... He was... He wasn't... Didn't have a TV show and he's still known from that TV... Like, doing being on TV, not on the TV show, but his act. And he would pack the place and he would just... He would just, like... I mean, just destroy it every night. And I mean, like, just like... Boom! From start to finish. Yeah, no, he's he's like like I said, I I, th- I feel like he and almost like Romano, they got so busy, so, so big TV wise, people forget what fantastic stand up comedians they both are. Right, Ray Ray was um, yeah, my friend actually uh, Tom Cotabiano opened for Ray, and they, they did a documentary about the eight days there on the road in a van, and um, yeah, he's been opening for Ray for years. Is that just, right? And just yeah, Ray was just I mean, once again, someone saw his act, and that's how he got the show the show is based on his act you don't see that as much roseanne was another one like that but you don't see that as much anymore you don't sit there and go okay we're gonna base the sitcom on this comic they and they all those shows did well everyone loves Raymond seinfeld another i mean it's just it's funny that you said it because when i did you know i've been through the you know i feel like you you constantly grow as a comic or some people don't obviously and you know i started off just as using the guitar i didn't know any better then i moved on to just trying to find funny any way i could and then I find, then I started working. Then I had the guy Richard from the comedy Magic Club said, "Quit cursing on stage," and so I didn't really curse for any. He goes, "You don't need it for any of your bits." I was just in between. I was, "Hey, what the f's going on? How right. you, you know?" And, I, and he goes, "Stop doing that." And so I watched my, I watched my set again that I'd sent him, and I just and I picked out every cuss word. I go, "Why am I doing that?" So I made it a point to go, to be able to work G rated. Took me about six months. 
before I could comfortably go up there and not curse once. Like, hey, I don't give a sh-, you know. Right. And it really was t- difficult. But once I got to that point, I go, God, I kind of like it this way. And then I started going, you know what? I need to start talking about family because, you know, that's the way you get a sitcom, obviously, blah, blah. Plus, I just felt like being an Italian guy with my dad with four marriages, seven kids, three, four wives. I mean, there was a lot of stuff to work with. Look and at so, Titus. Titus got his, from his crazy upbringing, he got a sitcom that way. Too. Well, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and it, it, that's, you know, Bill Hicks said, hey, if you want to, you know, get to know your family if you want to be, if you don't want somebody stealing your bits or whatever. I don't know. It's just all that kind of stuff. And I just, that's become my favorite part of the act is all my family stuff. You know, and I talk about being Italian. You know, I'm third generation. I don't really act all that Italian. It's so funny about the Italians, and just, just because my girlfriend is, uh, her name's Joanne Butero. She's Italian, <laughs> very Italian. And uh, it's just so funny because she refers to me as a Christian, okay? And because, you know, the Italians, <laughs> she goes, You Christians. And I go, We're all Christians, you know, unless you're Jewish and you're not Christian. Right, yeah. And it's just, it's so funny. The Italian culture, I love. I mean, just, you know, everyone jokes about the food, but I'm going to tell you, man, I went to. Uh, Night of Seven Fishes for uh, Christmas Eve, where it's just like they just ah, oh, it's amazing. I mean, I, it's they just fish after fit. We went to a restaurant called Nunzios, and like their mom, yeah, the names, and you just bring it out. And it's like, and the Italians are just it's like every Italian you know, there's someone really entertaining in the family. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes there's more than one, they're competing, so you really learn to get your chops up. But it's a fun culture, I mean, it's a fun. You were saying Victorios, by the way. Is that in North Hollywood? Well, this, uh, this, he was, that's his cousin's own, that one. Okay, because there's, there's a an Italian show every Friday right, night. Right, Meatballs of Comedy. Right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I can't get on because uh, <laughs> you're I'm not, not Italian. Italian. Right, yeah. And uh, yeah, because no, I, I booked it at the Victorios in Burbank. Okay. And it's, it, we had great crowds, you know, and people mm-hmm. came in and, uh, but yeah, now, did you ever do the Italian show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I got it because I went up and met the guy, Joey Cerise, and, I just yeah. go, and he just goes, I don't know if he'd heard of me or just because my last name was Cardinelli. He goes, yeah, come back next week, you know, just like that, really. He's from Jersey. And I went back, and I have had a, and I had a good set. And, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see all these Italian guys all the time, you know. Yeah, Because they're they, all East Coast Italians. Too, yeah, so. and they used, they used to do it up at uh, this restaurant up Shaw here. Shaw Christina. Yeah, but now I think they're still doing comedy now. I think there is. There's another, Joey Gaynor, another old 80s comedy store comic he runs a room there i believe now yeah. at that uh christina because i drove by and i saw the thing i was like oh because it used to be italians a comp like, yeah whatever. so have, you, have you played there did you, i haven't did you no. play back when it was then yeah i would stop in there every now and then so now do you talk a lot about your italian background in your act now i do i talk well because it's all true stuff my name is johnny cardinelli not john or jonathan johnny on my birth certificate and my dad oh, was really on my birth certificate johnny what's and, your middle name uh, Luigi, <laughs> really? Yeah, and, and like, people, you you don't see this guy. If, if you when you hear Johnny Luigi Cardinale, you think it's like uh, it's Bobby Cannavale. You think he's gonna look like Bobby Cannavale? Exactly. He, he, he looks he looks Irish. He's he's got he got, he got light eyes. Yeah, I know. Well, they, they say that's a uh, you know I'm like the you know the Sicilians are like John Gotti, the guys you know dressed in the suits. You know those are the guys. If you think about it, they always have the light eyes and kind of the fair skin. Looks like he looks like a Sean Astin. Yeah, a young Sean Astin. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never I've, I've never seen him. I never think you're Italian. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of my, I don't want to say angle, but that's like, I go, my, that, look, my name. is, is it, it, My mom named me that because she thought it sounded like a little gangster name. My dad told me that like four years ago. Because my mom was like that. I think she liked being part of like a, you know. A little gangster. You know. But my dad wanted to name me after my grandfather. His name's Orazio. I'm, I'm Orazio Luigi Anthony Cardinelli. And then my joke is, I go, with that, with that name, I got two career options. Opera singer. Hope you know exactly. anything else? Failure. So I talk about how I don't really act all Italian. I don't look it, but this name and 
my relatives, you know, I got some great, you know, like everybody's got a great Italian relative's name, but I got Anthony Del Zappo. You know what I mean? They're great names. That's the thing. I have, yeah. My mine are all Billy Calvert. Yeah. No, Bill Flounders. Yeah, I have like no, no one that's like. Flounders? Yeah, it's like, there's like the names or nothing, you know, the Flynn's, Bobby and Tommy and Steve yeah. and Flynn. Uh, so, so now you're, you're, you're kicking around now. When did you start going out on the road and then getting involved? I mean, you start, you do a lot of road work. I do a lot of work, road work, but not tons of clubs. How okay? How how did? How, at what point in your career did you say you're doing these clubs around LA? But now I got to branch out because you you know you can't make the money doing the clubs in LA. Absolutely not. No. Um, yeah, you know because it's in LA. You're here to audition and all that kind of stuff. I didn't never wanted to leave. To, I wanted to do some club work, but I would go out there and you know you spend Wednesday through Sunday and. Uh, you know Omaha, and you know the road is. It's I, re- I learned quickly the road's a little bit different because I'd never done the road, and so it took me a while to get used to that. Just sitting in a hotel room, I was fortunate enough again working clean. Uh, I just happened upon I met a college agent through a friend of mine. Just completely, hey, I'm having lunch with Joey Edmonds. You want to come to lunch? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he got to liking me. He goes, you work clean. And he goes, send me a demo, and I sent him a demo. And then he came to see me perform at O'Brien's. I do like ten minutes. And then I started, and then literally within like six months, I was doing colleges all the time. And I've, over the last seven years, that's pretty much all I've done. Do you, do you enjoy the colleges? I mean, because it's, it's funny. I mean, how old are you? 40. Okay, so I think, and that's like, because I'll, I'll be 50 in October, end of October. And I think like, as we get older, there's such a difference in generations. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's like when I talk to my girlfriend's niece, who's going to be a freshman in college, I, I know, you know, I just couldn't. Sit there and go, okay, how would I talk to you? Because you get to do like an hour when you do the college. One hour, and not to mention the fact that every year you get older, they stay the same age. Right, Because exactly. it's always the incoming freshmen that go to the show. It's rarely ever as the, the, the 21-year-old seniors. So do you take a guitar when you do that to make it yeah, easier? Yeah, I do about, yeah, I do probably about, about 40 minutes of stand-up and then 20 minutes with the guitar, and it does make it easier. But I've also found that, because, you know, you try, you try to write material that is geared towards them. The more real you are, the more who you are, just who you are. I just did a college for freshman orientation in Menlo College at, uh, like two weeks ago. And the stuff that they respond to most was like the Italian stuff. You know, my name. They come up to me, hey, Johnny, after my show and stuff like that. That's, a, by the way, a great sign. You obviously, as you know, when they remember something about right. you, not just your joke, like who you are. I get that, hey, Johnny, you know, blah, blah, blah. They just tell me to go screw myself. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> well, you know, colleges <laughs> colleges can be tough, though. They And I've heard horror stories from most comics seem to absolutely dread. Do you have, do you have any, do you have any uh, horror stories? I, I have one. Let me hear it. I, I mean, I... It's just it's one of those things where, where uh, I actually got two horror stories. Well, one is when I realized I actually think I had something in comedy. I was at the comedy store. This is way back when I first started. This is back when I was going up there with my guitar. And not not gonna lie, when I first started, I mean, it was a good act, and I would pretty much kill every night. It was friend. It was fresh. It was upbeat. Anyhow, I was up there one night at the comedy store, and my dad was in the front row. And I didn't know he was gonna be there that night, so he's sitting there. I'm like, I didn't know until I was up on stage. My dad's sitting right in front row. Thanks, dad. And there was this group of black people to the left. Now, they weren't really my target audience. I was too cornball for them and clean. They were there to see Eddie Griffin, who was performing later that night. So they're not laughing at anything. There's probably 20 of them. And I'm getting ready to set up my next bit. And I was kind of nervous, so I was just sticking to my script. And I, and, I, and I was sitting up my next bit, and I hear this guy go, oh, man. And the whole crowd heard him. Like, they were so sick of my act. And I had the choice. I could either pretend like it didn't happen, or I could address it. So I addressed it. And I broke from... 
I really broke from my set, you know, just been me on stage. Right, right. And so I broke from it and I go, what? Excuse me. You didn't, you like my Hall of Notes joke there? Well, I got an REM one coming up. And I started poking fun of the, I get it. I get the fact that my stuff. He starts laughing and he had one of those infectious laughs. And so all of a sudden I had this whole group of black people laughing with me. It was like one of the best sets I've ever had. And I didn't, and I broke, and I didn't do hardly any material. And then my dad even talks about that set to this. He goes, he goes, that's when I realized you were a real comic because that's when you became yourself on stage rather than this act right, kind of okay. thing. That, that's, a, that's a big thing, though, yeah. But do you remember a guy named John Mulrooney? Did he pass away? I don't know if he did. I haven't heard about him in quite a long well, no, time. Yeah, no, no, you know what, Mulrooney, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he passed away. I don't I, know if he still does stand up. I think but he. I think he went like the Christian path. Yes, I believe he. I did. think. Yeah, I think he did. Yes. yes, but he used to go to the comic store, and his entire act was playing with the crowd. And I used to watch him in fascination, going, "God, how does this guy have the courage to just go? Hey, what are you guys talking about here? What's this?" Well, a lot of the New York acts, like Lou DiMaggio, was like that too. A lot of these guys that because they, they would MC at the store, the places in New York, and you know, there's so many acts going on, right? That you have to sit there. Um, so okay, so no, no, tell me your worst, your worst. Uh, oh, the college thing. So I, I was on the road, and I was doing a college in South Carolina, and my agent called. This was toward the end of the school year in December, and uh, it was a Thursday night. And she goes, "Hey, I just, we just picked up a school for you in New York." Uh, in in Hoboken, actually, Jersey, Jersey, and and they go, you want to do it? It's twenty five hundred bucks, but it's Friday, and I'm like, and I'm driving, I'm not flying. So and where were you at? I was in South Carolina. It was okay. like a thirteen hour drive, and so I go, and I go, I'll take it, twenty five hundred bucks extra, because right. I was already on the road. I was going to be heading that way anyhow. It just now, I, so I finished a show in South Carolina, and it was one of those shows that went great. And there was a bunch of girls that wanted to hang out with me afterwards, and there was parties on campus. It was towards the end of the school year. Or the end of the, the semester, or whatever. And it, I finished my my show at ten o'clock. By ten fifteen, I was on the road, and I drove all through the night. I think I pulled over for like an hour and slept in the back of my truck. And I got to, I got to Jersey, whatever, probably about three o'clock and four o'clock in the afternoon. My show was at eight, and it was for incoming freshmen, potential students. So they were high school kids. They and it was this. I forget the name of the. It was in Fordham, Fordham College, I think. It was in Hoboken, Jersey. It was, for some reason, it was upscale kids, you okay. know, and they had attitude. They'd been running all day. They'd been treated all day, and I was the last thing that they were going to see. This, this comedy act, right? And then, and then, the guy gets there, the college rep. He goes, "So, do you you need anything?" He goes, "The kids are going to be coming in, and there's your stage." And I'm like, "No." He goes, "Here's your check." Anytime you get the check first, you know, what I mean, it's like always a plus. Right? Yeah. You know, you know, know, know if you die, just leave. Yeah, yeah. I'm out here. And then plus, plus, you know, I've heard comics that got off stage after 40 minutes and they didn't get paid full because you know, you're, you're contracted to do an hour, and I always did an hour. I don't care if I stood there; I would do an hour because I don't want to not get paid. I want to get bad rep with my agent. And I'm up there, and these kids hate me. And, I, and I'm not gonna lie; I was terrible. I was tired. I was whatever. I was, and it was the first and only time in my college I said, "I don't give a shit. I'm getting paid anyhow." You know, and I got off at 45 minutes because, though the guy, the college kid, he goes, you need anything else? I go, are you staying for the show? He goes, I can't. He goes, I got a party to go to. So I didn't have right. any reason. I could have gotten off after 20 minutes and nobody would said anything. I stayed after 45 minutes and ate it. And then the worst part is you got to clean up and you got to walk through all these kids looking and kind of laughing at you. Right. You know what I mean? Like you sucked. You know, I'm like, like 16, 15 and 16 year old kids looking at you. You're an adult. And they're looking at, they're kind of snickering at you as you walk by them. You know, like 300 of them. And I'm like, oh my God, you feel sick to your stomach. Then I went into a little bar in Hoboken. I just reached in my wallet, pulled out and just looked at my check. 
for twenty five hundred bucks. Like I made it. I got through it all, and now I right. have an extra two. And I go screw them all. <laughs> exactly. That's the way to do it. Oh my god. So you said you do a lot of cruise ships now. I had just got started. I yeah. literally did my first one in May, and I've and I've done a couple. Well, what what made you want to do that? Is it money, or is it just strictly money? Okay, now 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 it's always one. I know I know there's one cruise that actually has a comedy club. I don't know which cruise. I believe it's Carnival. I believe that they, they I believe it's George Lopez has a like a George Lopez has like a club with them, and I believe it's the Carnival Cruise Line. Then they do comedy, and they and they kind of they have the younger crowd, so they have I think sort of the. Or the earlier show, and then they had the late night dirty show. Okay, and yeah. So now, how did you go about? You just said, how did you get? It? Did someone pursue you about doing the cruises? Or? It's another one of those happenstance thing, uh, right place, right time. I guess I was doing a show at the Ice House on December twenty third. This is last year, and then the very next day, December twenty fourth, I was leaving to go overseas to entertain our troops. Now, have you done? Was that the first time you did that? Troops? Yeah. No, I'm doing my 10th tour in October. Okay. I've done a lot of st- stuff for the troops, so I've traveled all over the world. Now, how's that? I mean, I, I get different experiences. Like, uh, Graham Elwood was saying how he was like... He well, was, I haven't seen him in a while, He yeah. was freaking Funny out like, cause when he was there, because it was like, in the, like, it was just in the middle of war. It was crazy. Have you had... I mean, I, first of all, I heard the crowds are just so appreciative of you guys. Yes, they are, for the most part. Yeah. So, uh, it's it, Military... So I have not been to Afghanistan, Kuwait, or Iraq. I know some people that have been right there. I've been to Kyrgyzstan. I've been sitting in the Yemen airport. I've been to all over the Middle East, uh, just not those places. They're uh, they're great. Uh, again, it's tough for me sometimes because there's usually like four or five comics. I'm the only one who's even remotely clean, and I'm clean. You know what I mean? Right. So you follow. You know, sometimes here's how it works though. You follow. You know, if it's the, if it's like a marine base or an army base, and it's a bunch of young guys, and they like all the dirty stuff, you know, then you know, I'm not gonna say I struggle because I still do pretty good, but I, you, you can feel like I feel like the cornball clean guy. But when we go to an air force base and the crowd's a little bit older, and there's couples, and then there's the general sitting or the colonel sitting right in the front row, then I shine, right? Because they appreciate a little more, you know, I don't want to say sophisticated, but they don't like it all dirty, you know, because right, they're older, and it's, yeah, it's just like anything, you know. Yeah, so then it's like my night, you know. So that that's kind of how it works. But I've had a great time, and I'm, you know, like I said, they're they're very appreciative audiences. What do you eat when you go there? Do you eat on the base? I mean, yeah. how does that work? Oh, it's fantastic because they have the uh, the. Um, the defact dining facility, and you just go out. There's like a gigantic buffet. You eat as much as you want, and it's good food. It's I mean, good food. Oh yeah, salads and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you eat fantastic on the bases. They now, take, where do you stay? I've stayed anywhere from. I've stayed in a tent in Djibouti, Africa, like a giant tent that's that with bunk beds that seats 30, 30 soldiers. I love that word Djibouti. It's because it reminds me of that commercial for the farmers. I got mine from Djibouti, Africa. I right, was, exactly right. I've been yeah. to Djibouti, Africa twice. Real. That's funny. My buddy, my buddy. We were just talking to this girl. I went to the Phillies game with me and my buddy and his friend and her boyfriend is in Djibouti, Africa. Is that right? Here's the funny thing about Djibouti. First time I went there years ago, we stayed in those tents, and I'm like, you know, literally, you're, there's a guy sleeping right next to you in 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 his full, and you know, he's got got his big bag underneath he's military could could be up in the morning or something on the run and you know you're in a i haven't slept in a bunk bed in years right? right right and a giant tent you know and it's the dead of summer so it's super hot but you go in these tents they're very cool because they ac and then i went back a few years later and i told this new group of comics i was with them but yeah Djibouti, they were probably gonna be staying in tents they're like oh you know whatever hey blah 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 we get there they put us in they don't have tents anymore because the base is growing but they put us in like canisters basically the size of a of a you know the I'm trying to think of like the back of a semi take take the take that trunk whatever I mean not the trunk the whatever the big <laughs> trailer yeah half that size but and not quite as wide and that's where you stay in literally square and they have a little tiny bed you know and a lot you you know community uh, 
toilets and showers, you know, whatever, a couple feet away. And then so I was like, we'll probably be sleeping in tents. And we get there, they put us in those canisters, like, oh, okay, canisters, whatever. And then they tell us the next day, we're there for three days. They go, oh, by the way, we got an incoming, so we, we don't have enough room for you guys on base. We're like, wait, what? You know, where do you put us? Because there's a city in Djibouti, but it's very unsafe. And it's, right, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? And there's one five-star hotel right on the ocean in Djibouti, Africa. That's where they put us up. That's cool. Oh, it was unbelievable. Stay at a five-star hotel. <laughs> we go perform, and then we go back to the hotel and hang out all night. That's good. That's yeah. Good. So the cruises, so someone saw you, and then they said they want to put you on the cruise ship? Or? I worked with a guy. His name is Ivan Passell. He's been on America's Got Talent. He's a comedian, juggler, act. You know what I mean? Really, really good, though. His his slogan is making juggling tolerable. Okay. And so he, even he gets that it's sort of got a rap, but he does some really – he does crowd work. It's not just juggling, you know. And uh, he saw my act, and, he, and, you know, I only did 12 minutes. And he goes, hey, man, you work really clean. You know, I don't see that very often. He goes, he goes, you interested in cruises? You know, and I go, yeah, you know, you know, anything to, to make money, you know, without having to work a day job. And um, he goes, let me, let me call my agent, you know. And I go, well, I'm leaving tomorrow for 20 days to go overseas, but when I get back. And you figure, well, cause you lost the momentum, you know. But right, he called, yeah. and he'd be like, who's this again? Turns out he called his agent on my behalf. He goes, I already called her, so give her a call. I called her. She goes, hey, she looks great. I didn't even send her anything. She went and watched a couple clips online. And um, then she just got, just because she knows she knows people, she got me a first, my first cruise in the Bahamas. It was a five-day I performed two shows. You know, how is that? You you do a show in the beginning and then at the end, or how does that work? I've heard that that's how it is sometimes. You do the welcome show, welcome party. I got on this particular boat mid-cruise, so I didn't do that. I just did two shows on the same night, 8 and 10 p.m. No, I'm sorry. I did an 8 p.m. show one night. The very next night, I did a half an hour show, completely different material, So because uh, it was the same crowd. And it went great. And then and then I did another cruise ship up when we went to uh, Alaska, and it was the cruise. This particular audience was 80% Asian. I'm talking from Asia. So language barrier plus they're not the most emotive audience. Right. Know, just their nature, culture. I wasn't completely aware of that. So I was. I didn't really have really good sets. So I didn't get a good review from. And then I'm like, well, whatever. Maybe this isn't for me. Who knows? You know. And then uh, that was a seven-day cruise. And then I get a call from my agent. Hey, do you want to go spend the summer up in Alaska? 51 days at sea I was at. I was like, and I was telling you again off mic. And the in summertime... Thank God the crowds get a little bit younger because kids are out of school, so it's parents taking their kids, you know, on cruises, which is good and bad because they do bring their kids to the show. So there's times I was doing shows and the front row was all five, six, right. seven, eight, nine year olds. Sometimes and they're, they can be talkative. They can. You got to learn to do that. You got to learn to be friendly on stage. And also, what I understood was the most important thing was uh, you know it's a business too. You know what I mean? You're you're there to make them laugh who you can, and the other people just don't offend. You know what I mean? Right. Because there's no way you're going to make that 85-year-old guy over there crack up at, you know, because your name, whatever, my Italian relatives and stuff. I mean, maybe he'll enjoy you, but just be be friendly, be fun, and get the people you're supposed to make laugh, which is, you know, probably the majority of them. And then I ended up, uh, you know, first couple sets took me a little while to figure it out, and then I started having a really good time. And not to mention, you learn to lighten up and have fun with the crowd, too. What's it like, though? 51, I mean, you're sitting there, now you're, you're constantly on the boat? Well, you, we have your port days. Or you get off for sometimes three hours, sometimes you got, you know, eight hours during the day. But then at night, 51 nights at sea, put that, put it that way. So I was, we never stayed overnight anywhere. How many times did you perform? Twice a week, usually, sometimes three times a week. So you were just sitting there? Tons of downtime. And did they, did they have laundry facilities and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, for crew, I've, I, I, I don't know if it's advertised, because I asked my agent, I go, how do I do laundry? Oh, you can probably pay them to do it. I'm like, mm, I had asked other people, hey, how do I 
had a, they, I go sneak into the crew laundry. I do it once a week and stuff like that. Now, what kind of were you put up in a nice cabin? Because I heard a lot of times the comics get put up in a nice cabin. We was a decent cabin. It was on the fourth floor, so you open the windows. I, you know, the big, you know, the big giant, you know, curtains. I open the window, and there's the lifeboat. So I had a beautiful view of the lifeboat. <laughs> but around the corner, of the lifeboat, you actually got some some daylights, some natural light. So yeah, I didn't have any view. But you know, you, at least you didn't feel like you were, you know. Are you going to keep doing the cruises? I would. I would like to do. You know what it, what it is in L.A. I'm just, I'm working on the voiceover stuff thing, and there's always the acting stuff. I'd love to be able to stay in L.A. and just not work a job job. So if I could do like one cruise a month for five days, that would be ideal. Okay. Or a couple of colleges here and there, sprinkle that in because I actually do like doing them. Um, but you know, I've traveled a lot over the last seven, eight years. You know, traveling is cool for a while. Then you're like, I'm over it. Well, I did. I said I did it from '88 to '95. I was constant. I didn't have a weekend off in all that time. I mean, you're Good always God. on the road. You know, you get. And now it's like, and as I say, the road's a young man's game, man. Because it's like, yeah, you know, it just. I got. I have. A, I have to have a certain dietary way I eat and stuff like that. And just, you can't. You can't eat healthy. You can't. Yeah, you know, it's like it's and you really get bored tough. and you go crazy and you can say you're gonna eat healthy, but you know, really, are you gonna really stop and get grapes? You know, you don't. You don't, <laughs> you don't do that. So I say try- I'm eating healthy when I eat Subway instead of Wendy's. Exactly. You know, that, exactly. That's, you're just, right. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So we have a few minutes left. Um, what, what What are some of your gigs coming up? What are some of my gigs coming up? I am going overseas again for uh, troops. Yeah, I'm going to Greenland. Uh, Guantanamo Bay and Honduras. How long will be there for? Ten days is the total trip, so it's going to be zigzag, zigzag all over the place. I, I don't really have a whole lot booked in L.A. Unfortunately, I just did the improv last week or two weeks ago, and that's really cool. Dane Cook stopped by, and uh, Tosh stops in all the time, and and I'm just trying to work on the, the voiceover stuff now. Now, do you have a voiceover agent? Yeah, I go on quite a bit. So uh, audition, I mean, quite a bit, and so, and I have a friend who's really starting to book a lot of stuff. In fact, Dave Forsett, you were mentioning Dave earlier. You know Dave, obviously, and so that's one of the reasons I like staying in town. And other than that, I'm just kind of filling in my schedule. I just got back in town. I've been back in town after being gone all summer for. I've been back in town for about ten days. Yeah, Johnny was nice enough where I, I sat there and I had him scheduled before. And I, I just like I gotta get I gotta get a guest, and I always freak like even like now it's like you know, but you know. I, I buck up so far in advance. Which people next week also have a great show. I have Roy Wood Jr. from Sullivan and Son. Yeah. And the wonderful old, old friend of mine, Keith Robinson, who will be out in LA. Uh, he used to do the announcing for the Wanda Select show. Uh, so they'll be on next week listening. But so so you're gonna go out overseas again. So you're yeah. are you excited about that? Oh yeah. I mean I, anytime I can go perform for the troops, it's it's fantastic. Too there's a hopefully this year we'll do a holiday tour. The last two years uh, we've we've uh, been me and my group of people the shows I put together I bring the comics and all that sort of stuff which is kind of nice um, we've been in uh, overseas performing for the troops in on Christmas Day and New Year's okay so that's good yeah 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 it's 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 pretty cool okay now what's your website johnnycardinelli.com spell it because people don't j-o-h-n-n-y-c-a-r-d-i-n-a-l-e Dot com. Cardinal like the bird with an E. Cardinal No, because actually, I because I, I, I'd seen you once, and I thought your name was actually Johnny Cardinal. Yeah, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't think you were Italian, because name, if you just look at Cardinal, it doesn't look Italian. But when you say Cardinale, it's yeah. totally Italian. But, you know, and it's so funny, because I've always been told the way with Italian names is you just uh, just say how they look, and, and it's fine, like, you know, just if it looks like that and Cardinale so yeah and uh, do, you, do you tweet or you, do you have any yeah yeah Twitter it's it's you can you can go to my website and click on and follow me on that but it is Johnny Cardinale and you have uh, your uh, clips from your act up there too oh yeah yeah that my schedule come see a show like I said I can't think of offhand where I'm going to be but so, I always put it on go check I want to thank you for coming on thank you Johnny my pleasure uh, people yeah so check out his site Johnny Cardinal 
with an E, <laughs> Cardinelli. That makes it easier. Uh, yeah, check him out and check out some of his clips. You know, he's out there. He's, he's performing for the troops. He's making stuff happen. Also, the voiceover, which I'm, I'm, I have a voiceover agent. I have to make a demo. I don't, I don't even know how to do it. I have to figure it out. Yeah, but, uh, you need about twelve hundred bucks. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, people, um, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Also, uh, www.coopertalk.net. I have about 180 episodes up. You can hear me also if you miss the shows. They play on Rant Radio Networks on Tuesday at four. WSDIChicago.com at six. Also, every Thursday night, except this week because the Eagles are playing, you can usually hear me on a WIP 94 Sports Radio on the Big Daddy Graham Show. I have a 15-minute call-in segment talking about Hollywood. That's uh, 12 midnight uh, Pacific Coast time. And uh, Facebook, it's uh, just Cooper Talk. I have a Cooper Talk fan page, and every episode I have, you can click on a picture of my guest, and it links right to that episode. So I want to thank you, Johnny. I want to thank you people for listening. Uh, Remember, drink your water. Eat your veggies and take your vitamins. You guys have a great day. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests.